Welcome to SEO Explains, where we bring the work of the Supreme Court to you. In this episode, we continue to talk about EWS reservations in Neil Aurelio Nunes versus Union of India, the PG NEET case. We are joined today by Dr. Anup Surendranath, who teaches at National Law University, Delhi. He focuses on the Supreme Court's reservation jurisprudence in his research. Dr. Anup points out that significant normative gaps in the court's reservation jurisprudence will have to be addressed before we have more clarity on who should be included in the EWS category. In episodes 1 and 2, we explored the key arguments in the Nunes case, where the Supreme Court, through an interim order, allowed reservations for PG students from economically weaker sections in neat admissions for this academic cycle. The concept of EWS reservations were introduced through an amendment to Article 16 of the Constitution in 2019. Article 16 deals with reservations in public employment and education. It requires governments to show inadequate representation of SESTs and OBCs to provide reservations. However, the 2019 amendment placed no such requirement for EWS reservations. We asked Dr. Anoop what the purpose of providing for EWS reservations was if not to remedy inadequate representation. The question he answered revealed tensions in reservation jurisprudence in India. There is no real conceptual or normative clarity coming from the Supreme Court on as to what are we doing with reservations? Why are we providing reservations? Is it a distributive measure, right? Is it a measure to ensure a certain amount of presence? And then in that sense, it's not a distributive measure. It does not lead to more equitable distribution of opportunities and resources, but it is a question of presence, of ensuring presence, right? Or is it a share in power requirement? Right. So, you know, you might say that what you're trying to do with backward classes in 16 clause 4 is very different from what you're trying to do with 16 clause 6. But that's not what the court has done. We haven't had that discourse from the court on why are we providing reservations. And I think the court's reservation jurisprudence suffers from very fundamental confusions and contradictions uh, unless we resolve that and, and massive amount of gap normative gaps, unless we fix those things, we are keep going to keep sort of chasing our own tails in that sense. In the Nunes order, Justice Chandrachud says that reservations align merit with substantive equality. He says that without reservations, admissions based only on merit will not account for many social, educational and economic privileges that enable upper caste and class individuals to score high marks. Do you think these observations provide clarity on the purpose of reservation? For me, it is not a sufficiently nuanced conversation or a nuanced discussion, right? Um, to resolve some of these tensions. Is it a conversation in the right direction? For sure, right? It is for sure sort of to say that reservations are not anti-merit. We need to have a, a far more comprehensive contextual understanding of merit. Absolutely no disagreement with that. But I don't, I mean, I think that is something that um, the court has discussed and, but I don't think it goes to resolving the tensions in equality jurisprudence sufficiently. So while I have no disagreement with it, I don't think it anyway does the kind of normative resolution 
that is required in India's reservations jurisprudence, right? And then let me just say what I mean by that, right? How you might look at the question of merit in public education or even within public education, within primary education, as compared to higher education, as compared to postgraduate education, then as compared to group D services or group A services in public employment, cannot and will not be the same, right? While we can have this overarching approach to merit, what really is required is to say, what is its application to these specific contexts, right? And unless that kind of deep fine tuning happens, we are going to find ourselves in the zone of lack of clarity. And without the lack of clarity, we are not going to be able to address so many of these questions that are coming up in court now. I don't think we have really teased out the purpose of reservations. And as I said, why do we provide reservations in uh, representative bodies? Uh, could have a very different logic of its own compared to why we provide reservations in primary education, compared to reservations in higher education, and compared to reservations within public employment and the different layers of public employment, right? So it requires that nuancing, that breaking down, and that engaging with the complexity of each of its own levels, right? So I would, I would say that, yeah. One of the arguments that was made against reservations in PG needs specifically, it's an advanced degree. It's a degree after undergrad and therefore reservations are not required in that sense because backwardness is overcome at an undergraduate level. The court said that just because one has obtained an undergraduate degree doesn't mean that disparity between forward and backward classes is gone. What exactly do you make of that argument? I think the question is too broad and the answer is also too broad, right? Framing it in that manner uh, sort of misses the real question, I think. And the response also is too much at a level of generality, right? Uh, again, not to say that I disagree with that general import of that response, right? What I feel is to say, the question to ask really for me was, how are we to consider questions of merit of who is qualified differently in undergraduate admissions and in postgraduate admissions, right? That is the question. Should there be any difference in this treatment? Or should there be absolutely no difference in treatment in how questions of marks, merit, capability, all of that is considered at the undergraduate level versus how it is considered at the uh, postgraduate level. Currently, the conversation seems to be a whole scale conversation. Either we consider it or we don't consider it at all. And I think that misses the point, right? That misses the point in terms of saying, how should this consideration vary depending on the context that we're talking about, right? I would play this out exactly in the context of, let's say, primary education, right? Um, what you would think as a role for merit and all of that in that context, I would think is, is, is a very, very, very low bar, right? There, right? Um, but should it make a difference as you go through layers of 
the education system that requires normative engagement right and we haven't seen that normative engagement we the only engagement we have seen is at a very general level right should we sort of adopt this very uh, traditionalist a contextual almost uh, discriminatory attitude to merit by saying that oh merit is all that counts right and nothing else and merit as as articulated through marks is the only thing that counts should we do only that and and i think that misses the point right in opposing reservations right and in also in response to that opposition the the level of response is also far too general it doesn't tell us what should be the role of merit and how this broad understanding of merit uh, and this contextualizing of merit should play out at different layers and in different contexts will these fundamental questions be raised in this case will we begin to see the court fill some of these normative gaps in its reservation jurisprudence while we wait for final arguments to commence in march stay tuned for the next episode where we talk to dr anup about the implications of the court's demand for data and reservations the delays this demand has caused in the benefits of reservations reaching its intended beneficiaries and why fundamental questions on the gaps in reservation jurisprudence are not being asked at the supreme court mm-hmm.